Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Um, you know, I, I just, I love this passage. It's, it's uh, something that I just kind of feel like will kind of touch base back to regularly throughout this year. Um, you guys even made a sign about it. I think we're going to try to get one in here. Um, but in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4, 9 through 11, and I think, I forgot to put the trend. I think this might be the New Living, uh, maybe the ESV, I forget. I, but I, I, I just like the way that it was worded. And so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did, I did this message, and we were talking about the church at Thessalonica <laughs> uh, with the Thessalonians, and they were under severe persecution. And Paul was really encouraging them because they were standing in faith under persecution. In fact, they were bonding together and their love for one another and their commitment to the gospel and the fact that they were still continuing to serve under persecution. He cited that as that is proclaiming the gospel. And so he encourages them to stick, to keep doing that, stick together. Uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily about building this big thing as much as it was um, keep the faith, hold together, because there were some communities that he was writing letters to that they were leaving the faith and they were going back to worship and take sacrifices down to the temple. And he's like, you know, don't, don't draw back on your faith. So he was commending them for bonding together under persecution because, you know, Christianity was brand new and it was easy to leave because, you know, they, especially for Jews, they thought, wait a minute, the Messiah is here. That's supposed to mean that our king is going to take over the planet and destroy all of our enemies and set Israel back up as, a, as a, the ruling nation on the planet. And they didn't recognize that it was a spiritual kingdom that grows inwardly. And the freedom is inwardly first and foremost and grows that way through the true nation of Israel, and that is those who are believers in Christ by grace through faith. And I'm not to say that's not a replacement theology statement. It's just we're framing it under the new covenant, spiritual children, amen? And he was encouraging them to just in their faith. And the fact that they were living this way was proclaiming the gospel. So let me just read this. He gets down to this, and, and he was encouraging them in brotherly love, but he says in verse 9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Say, love one another. If you're ever figuring out what you're supposed to do, you can always go back to that. <clears throat> for that is in for that indeed is what you're doing to all brothers throughout Macedonia, which was great. So he's commending them in that, right? And then he says, um, uh, "So for that indeed is what you're doing to all brothers throughout Macedonia." But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, walk in love more and more, and aspire to live quietly. So it's just really interesting to me that he tacks on the idea of doing love one another more and more to this perspective. You would think he would say, go stand on the street corners and proclaim, go and argue with the, the lawyers and the Pharisees in the temple and go do this. And, but it's, it's, no, 
keep doing what you're doing, love more, and aspire to live quietly. And if you look up the, the word quietly, it, it means what you'd think it mean, but it just means you're living at peace, you're living at peace with your neighbors and your family and brothers and sisters and you know, you're, so you're seeking to, to, to live at peace, essentially. Live quietly. And mind your own affairs. That's a little softer than mind your own business, huh? <laughs> mind your own affairs. In other, word, in other words, take care of your stuff. You know, don't let your... Mm. <laughs> Christians. <laughs> God told me this. Well, but he said that you said this two weeks ago. Well, yeah, but no, God changed his mind. I'm trying to be nice, especially in the charismatic community where we're so spirit-filled and spiritual. And we can get pretty flaky, right? We can let things fall by the wayside, and, and you get these people that are just like soapboxing their spirituality, but their finances are in a mess and their kids are a mess and their relationships are falling apart. And it's like, you're not a very nice person. You can prophesy, you jerk. <laughs> you judgmental twit. I mean, that's kind of what he's talking about. You know, take care of your stuff. Make sure your house is in order. I didn't plan to go there, but that, you know, I know you wanted to hear that. And work with your hands, as we instructed you. And work with your hands is, is like, you know, just work. Be willing to work. It, it doesn't mean you all got to become carpenters and forsake your computer jobs, you know what I mean? It's, it, just, it's, it, it just means just be willing to work. You like that one? All these building projects, yeah. I, I think that includes flying airplanes, yeah. Are you flying that one with the doors falling off? Uh, no. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you work on? Uh-oh. <laughs> Tom's shrinking down back there. He's like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Those people are watching online. Like, what are they talking about? We live in the Delta Hub, the busiest airport on the planet. So you throw a rock, you hit an airline employee in, in Peachtree City, in this area. Uh, anyway. So work with your hands, you know, Proverbs, I forget where it says, but you don't, you don't work, you don't eat. So it's just be willing to work. So, but I love this idea, live quietly, mind your own business, take care of your business, increasing in brotherly love. How many of you, that's, that's really kind of been helpful as we start this year? Nobody? Good. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't give you time to respond, but it's so... So then there's the paradox, right? I mean, how many of you want to do big things for God? You want to do great things for God, right? You want to make an impact. And it, do you, but do you believe that living this way can accomplish that? Because it can. And, uh, you know, we are, the body of Christ is wonderful at waiting for the next big thing to happen. And, and so much of the teaching is kind of geared around toward you're not quite where you should be, but there's coming something. There's a generation coming. There's a revelation coming. There's a revival coming. There's something coming. You know, we're always standing on the verge of something coming. 
but it puts you in a position where you kind of always feel like there's just, I'm missing something. There's something I don't fully grasp or understand. It's like, you're always just kind of feeling a little bit of, you know, and I don't know. And I feel unsettled here and now. And are you with me? You ever felt that way in your Christianity? You ever been made to feel that way because of the kind of teachings? And, And it's like, how about you have the philosophy that today you're going to grow? You know, so for, to, to me, it, it, the, the philosophy of life is like more like a garden. In other words, there's things growing and you're taking care of the things that are growing. And it's, you're becoming more productive and more fruitful and more loving and more patient, all the fruits of the Spirit. You know, so you are becoming more of something, but what you're becoming is fruitful in what you already are in spirit. Because you're perfect in spirit. You lack nothing. You're not going to be something in your spirit. And that's the true part of you that will live forever. And if we can live from that, that understanding as our identity, then, yeah, we tend the garden. You deal with your emotions. You deal with your destructive sin habits. You deal with your anger, your food, your temple, whatever it is. You deal with these things, right? but not to get those in order so that you can then participate in the revival or, or whatever. I'm hard, I know I'm hard on the revival mentality, but it just, I, it's just kind of a common thing that makes people always feel like, well, oh my goodness, did you see that? There's miracles over there. Let's go over there and then my life will be complete. Finally. You know, so you go get baptized again and again, or you get that person to pray for you. And it's like, my goodness. I don't know. It sounds like I'm making general statements and I kind of am. But I just want you to know, you can actually live a quiet life, working with your hands, walking in love, and that boldly will proclaim the gospel. And then along the way, if God taps you for something specific, then you just step into it. You're poised and ready to step into it. You're you're mature and ready to embrace what it might be because you've, you've tended the garden faithfully, in a mature way, day by day. And you're not sitting there looking at the future, judging yourself in the, in the present that you'll never do what you think God wants you to do. Gosh, we do that so much. You, and, and, you know, I'm not going to say you're okay because you need to change some things. <laughs> but but, but this, this idea that one day... This thing will happen in my life and I'll be as spiritual as I'm supposed to be and I'll be as productive as I'm supposed to be, but I'm not really very, I kind of stink right now. (laughs) I just want you to let go of that. Because what if you never do big things for God? Think about that. What if you never do big things for God? Still loves you. And, and do you feel complete in Him? What if you are a faithful mother to your, to your children? You know? What if you're kind to the people around you and when they think about you, they think, oh, you know what? He's, he's a friendly person. It's probably because he's a Christian. And then it maybe shifts their thinking a little bit, you know? We want to do big things. I'm expecting big things. I mean, we just bought some property. But it's like, that's, but even that is kind of the fruit of just this steady forward progress, just this growth mentality 
just keep moving, take care of what's in front of us, and mind our business, Amen. boldly proclaiming the gospel with our lives and our choices and our decisions. And then the Lord brings you before kings and something happens and you're like, oh, okay, well, that could have never happened. Or maybe not. Maybe you die and nobody ever knows you. And that's okay. So I just wanted to look at this, you know, and, and maybe even kind of reshape a little bit. What does God celebrate? What is it that He considers big things? What is it that He's even after? What does He expect from you? You know, there's what God wants from you, and then there's what God wants for you. And what He wants from you is obedience, is to live in the way, in the pathway of righteousness. Living set apart, because that was something that he talked, that Paul wrote about with the Thessalonians. is like, deal with your sexual immorality, deal with these things, live a set-apart life. Get that stuff out of your life. Live a set-apart holy life. It's not that getting those things out of your life makes you holy, but what holiness is, is choosing, I'm going to live this way because I represent God. Because this great salvation that He's given me, because I am already in His kingdom, because I'm already hidden with Christ in Him, a beloved child. I am the prodigal that has come home and He's embraced me and He's put the ring on my finger and He's fed me. That's who I am. I'm not the prodigal out there wandering. I'm back home. And because of that, I want to get that stuff out of my life. And yes, that does proclaim the gospel as well. That's why you deal with that stuff, because it, it disrupts your heart, hardens your heart, desensitizes you. So what are the big things that he celebrates? And I've got a couple of passages, and I actually I have an illustration. It's not the typical one, but we'll get there. Hans, would you follow me along? I'm going to start in Matthew 25, 31. <clears throat> so when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with, them, uh, with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. And this is the, the, the great white throne judgment in the end at the resurrection when everybody is brought before Him. The end of the end of the end before he, moving into the age of eternity. No more tears, no more sin, no more death. This is this point. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And this is, this is what I want to land on. And I feel like that this is the kind of thing that God celebrates. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. You know, and, and I, and I want to make this point. You don't see him saying, you built a big church, you wrote a book, you made billions of dollars that you gave. You know, like the things that we think we're supposed to build you traveled the world and preached the gospel. It's like, no, you, you, you fed sick, you fed hungry people. You visited me when I was sick. 
You ever, you ever been visited when you were sick? And what does that do? I mean, it just it kind of it can change, you know. At least change your day. I like Viet's cuisine soup. If you ever. <laughs> I was in prison and you came to me. Now go go back for just a moment. Now I know a lot of people feel called to the broken and the hurting and the homeless and those in prison and you know unwed mothers and children rescued from sex trafficking and we have all those things but 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 this is the the motivation for even being involved in those things because of the people that you will interact with because of the impact that you make on the individual not because of the organization that you build not because of the activity that you're even doing but the one-on-one -on -one interaction this is what he's talking this is the final judgment and this is the stuff that he brings up, the one-on-one -on -one interactions that we have with people. Amen. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked, uh, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison or, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Amen. Now, let me just read the rest of this because I was going to stop there, but I really felt like the Lord said, no, go ahead and finish the chapter out. And I'm not going to teach a lot on this, but I just want you to see that it's there and you go pray because it's not the rosiest, but it's here. It's in Scripture. Jesus said it. Then he'll say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into uh, the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's a whole thing. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and did not minister to you? Then he'll answer to them saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but with the righteous into eternal life. You know, we kind of, we've got to wrestle with that. Is this saying that your salvation is based on whether or not you do these things? How are you saved? You're saved by grace through faith. But he puts a lot of weight on the one-on-one -on -one interactions that we have with people, doesn't he? And I just find that interesting. Can I read something to you? This is, this is might be a little, a little unusual, but <clears throat> this is a book called Imagine the God of Heaven by John Burke. This is a part two. The first one was Imagine Heaven, and it was, it's all about near-death experiences. And near-death experiences can get super weird, and I'll just tell you that they can be. Sarah's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> near-death experiences, I'll just tell you, when I, when I first got, um, well, when I was trying to get my mind back into the land of the living, and I was on my initial salvation journey, um, because I just had this such a strange experience and encounter 
with the demonic, which I was, you know, not a believer, wasn't raised in a Christian home, didn't believe anything about anything. You know, I was trying to contact the aliens and all this kind of stuff. And um, Matt can tell Matt can tell you back there. He knew me back then, uh, but had this encounter. And, and but I didn't but I didn't know to go to church to be taught about scripture. It just became okay. Well, Jesus is real, and He walked me through this process, and it was really kind of He discipled me one on one through this process in the beginning. And it's probably a good thing I didn't go to church right off the bat because that might have been even more confusing. Sad to say, I'm sure I could have found a good one, but I just didn't. It wasn't my culture. That wasn't the culture of my life. It wasn't the grid for which I had seeking God. Go to church. It was like. I just started reading, and so I tried to read Scripture. I got in Genesis, got over to where Abraham was giving his wife away, and I'm like, I don't understand this. I thought the Bible was like how to be holy or something, you know, so I put it down and just started reading different things and ran across like the Tibetan Book of the Dead and the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and then I started reading things about talking about people that were writing about death and experiences, and so I just came across near-death experiences even back then, and and it wasn't really talked about much back then. But throughout all of human history, people have reported encounters of coming out of their body, going into another dimension, another realm, and seeing wonderful, amazing things over there and then coming back into their bodies. So I'm not trying to build a case for near-death experiences. I just want to make a point, and it's a little bit anecdotal. So are you okay with that? And most of you know me. You know, I don't go into the, these kind of things often, but it's, it's just, I find it interesting uh, so this, so even now in the study of near-death experiences, uh, there there is an agency of scientists that have studied like thousands and thousands and thousands of different experiences, and there's commonalities in a lot of their experiences, and and the one and and it, there almost even seems to be room for deception over there too. People that aren't aware, they don't know Christ, go over there, have these weird encounters and come back. And there's, you know, it's interesting. I don't really understand all that. Uh, But the ones that go over there and they see Jesus, man, I'm telling you, they see Jesus. You ever read some of those? Watch some of those videos? I I just want to read this to you. And, And I'm still sticking to the point of the idea of what does he celebrate? What are the big things that God's after? What does God want from you? How does he want you to live your life? But the the setup is interesting of this person, and this is on page 60. And this person, this this is crazy. This person here had been stabbed 14 times or 13 times by someone that they knew. And it's incredible how he's describing this situation. He's in his front yard and he's having this argument and then out comes the knife. And then this guy just starts to attack him, and he's, he's like describing his thought processes as this is happening. Then he gets to the point where he describes coming out of his body, which is a very common thing for people to describe in these kind of scenarios. You know, even, even like um, uh, Steve Jobs, who, you know, pro- proclaimed, who developed Apple, proclaimed to be a non-believer or even atheist, they say that the last thing he said to people in his room as he looked over, he was in the hospital room and he looked over the shoulder of his sister and said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, and then was gone. Something was coming to get him. 
I'm not sure which side was coming to get him, but I hope that in some way, you know, maybe because he put all those Bibles on the Apple phones, God gave him some grace. I don't know. <laughs> but and and even even my mom, you know, my mom who we cared for 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 months and in the last really the last month was completely unresponsive, and the morning she passed about five o'clock in the morning and I had kind of moved in. I was sleeping on this air mattress in the room next to her room. And so I heard some commotion, like a voice. I'm like, what's happening? So I go in there and then I go get my brother and we're standing over her and her, her, she not opened her eyes in like a month and she, but she had her eyes open, but she wasn't focusing on anything in the room, but you could tell she was looking at something and she wasn't afraid. She wasn't in pain. She was surprised. The, the, you know, you can see the look on people's face and you can tell the difference, right? And so, but she's trying to speak and she's trying to communicate. And I'm standing there watching this happen and my brother's standing here and we're watching her and we're like, you know, I think she's trying to, it sounds like she's calling to us so that we will see whatever it is that she's seeing is what it felt like. And it was as if she was just seeing what I believe to be angels, maybe the Lord even himself walking into the room to usher her home, and then she was gone. And this person, you know, so people have these encounters, and then they come back. And so this person, he says, I notice over Amin's left shoulder a hallway appeared. It's made of something that appears to be solid light. Strangely, I am calm and not attached to the outcome of this insane event. That this looks like infinity, I thought. As I as I neared death, the light explodes into being, blocking my view of him in and the hallway, <clears throat> brighter than the sun, yet not hurting my eyes. It is it is not an ordinary light, it is a living being, a who, not a what. If this person of light, and they constantly say this, this man of light comes to them. If this person of light came down the hallway, he must have traveled at warp speed. The light itself is a person exactly my height. Instantly, the qualities of this person are written across my awareness, not in one, two, three fashion, but imprinted instantly into myself, my heart, my consciousness. I am stamped with the knowledge of the nature of God. I do not have to wonder about the identity of this light. There is no room for doubt. This is God. How will I even describe this to you? I never really understood that glory of God thing before I witnessed. God is truly glorious, magnificent, awesome, without equal. His glory is a light but made of infinite love. God's light appears like a sudden, silent, atomic bomb blast of bright light full of His power. Imagine being five feet away from the source of a nuclear explosion, but His light is more than light. It is overwhelming, a literal tsunami of infinite, unconditional love. This person is standing in front of Jesus. All it touches transforms into perfect peace and it blows away uh, into irrelevancy any consideration about what is happening, replacing it with ineffable ecstasy, irresistible joy, love beyond comprehension. All in a singular package, a nuclear bl a bomb blows life aw away, 
God's love blows death away. This is what he comes back with. Fascinating to me. And these encounters over and over and over and over. In this book, he makes the point that even people that don't know Jesus, that believe in other gods, so to speak, when they cross over there, they don't see a seven-armed, blue-skinned woman with a long tail and a bun on her head. Even though they might think that that's their God, they meet the man of light over and over and over. So I'm not saying we're going to start studying near-death experiences. I'm just kind of making the point, right? <laughs> He's real. And when you come out of your body, you're going to see him face to face. And there's another thing that happens regularly in these experiences that has been kind of called the life review. You ever heard of this? Anybody? Raise, raise your hand just in case you... Yeah, there's several people that have, that have read these kind of things. And it's interesting because in this life review, and again, I'm not making it a doctrine. I'm not even trying to say that this is the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 describes about, in the end, in the judgment seat of Christ, your works being judged. Everything that you've done and said will pass through the fire. You won't be judged for righteousness. You're saved. Say, I'm saved. Remember how we talked about Jesus declared to His disciples, you got to let me wash your feet. You're clean, but you got to let me wash your feet. And we talked about confession of sin, not to be made righteous or get forgiven again, but to experience the forgiveness that He's already given you. And so in these moments, and this is, here's the point, in these life reviews, and it's, they can be different, but very commonly they see their lives go before them and they see the encounters that they had with people where they hurt people. And they feel what that person felt in that moment. And then they look to Jesus, and it's interesting, He's not judging them. But they're watching what they did to people, and they, and they hurt for it. They're remorseful for it. Often. I mean, it's like, I think half the time people have these experiences when they pop over there. But then, He seems to walk them through again. And what will happen is... He will show them, from His perspective, the things that were meaningful about their life to Him. And he, this is the point. Uh, out of all of the thousands of probably for 30 years that I've been reading and watching, and it's not like I'm like, you know, you just have an interest and you read these things. I've never once read about a life review where Jesus said, again, you know, well done on this church that you built, or well done on traveling all over the world, or well done on any of this. What he always seems to celebrate is, and he shows them specific interactions with people, grocery store, their children, their parents, maybe somewhere where they humbled themselves. He always points out one-on-one -on -one personal human interactions. And I, the only reason I'm willing to kind of bring that into this is because I believe it to be consistent. And if you would put that passage up where it says the least of these within Matthew there, I just believe it to be consistent with how he talks about at the end, in the final judgment, he addresses the things that we've done for people. And I think that there's probably a, a reward for people. Now, I don't think that the people that he's rebuking are even saved in the first place. I don't think this is the decision point of salvation. But this is what he's thinking about. How did you treat people? And so I, I just tie it all back together with the idea that just get over feeling like you haven't built what you're supposed to be building. 
get over feeling like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and recognize what God celebrates is that day-to-day, one-on-one, personal human interaction that we have with people. And if the body of Christ would just do that, yeah, use the gifts. Yes, be as spiritual as you want to be in those moments. But the most spiritual thing that you can do is love people. Motivated by His love for people and be willing to move in, transition into the gospel if you get the opportunity. Amen? Amen. You You don't have to figure out how to walk in all this dynamic, super spiritual power. That's there too, praise God. If you get the opportunity, get them healed. And we need to get better at that. I want to get better at that. He said we should be doing it. But I just, I don't know, I just, I hope that this lands with you, that it's like, quit judging yourself. Quit thinking that one day you're going to be where you should be and make today the day that will be celebrated in a moment like this. Hey, remember that time you fed this person or you called this person that was sick or you encouraged them or you this? And that's the thing. That's the thing that gets highlighted. Can we do that? And I just, I just feel like, because what Paul says to the Thessalonians is that you guys, your brotherly love under persecution is proclaiming the gospel. And then it's even celebrated even at the end. And I know what we're doing. We're thinking, I can't wait to go be nice to people. <laughs> but it's not just that, obviously. You know, we... we Man, most of us have been sitting in church for so long. You can, you know how to lead somebody. Well, I don't know how to. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Stop it. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to pray. Yeah, come on. You've read the Bible. You saw Jesus do it. You know how to do it. Don't tell me you don't know how to do it. You know how to do it. Just open your mouth. And Even if you feel like it's a train wreck. That get your heart. Even that. Well, I don't know. I need training. I need... Yeah, okay. We'll do that. But the Holy Spirit in the moment is better than any course you're going to take. Watch Him do it. Do it the same way. Amen? Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 1130. Who's ready for a picture? (laughs) Let's just stand up and we'll just put our attention on him. I think we're good, Chris. We'll just close here. Lord, we we put this in your hands for you to lead us from here as you would lead us. You know, we're, we're, we're putting these things together in our hearts and our minds and we're taking some pressure off, but yet again, we're taking on the full responsibility of making an impact in the lives of people. But it's it's day by day. It's as they come across our path. And then, and then if we get the opportunity to intentionalize it, and then there's more uh, out of the overflow that we need to formalize and, 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 and make into something that's organized, then we'll do that. But we're committed to feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, visiting those imprisoned, encouraging the depressed, Man, what is it for you? Who do you want to love? 
Who do you want to make an impact with? Is it the, the truckers that you run across at the gas stations that might not know him? Is it the people in Washington that you're going to go and stand in front of? Is it the people at your job? Where are they? Where are the people that you can love? And are you committed to that? And heaven is watching and smiling because you're doing it to the least of these. And he takes it personally. The least of these, and you're doing it to me. So Jesus, we love you. And if you're not a Jesus follower, <clears throat> you can just choose. I believe in you, Lord. I believe you were sent to set me free from sin and death. I put all my faith in you to be saved and filled with your spirit and walk in this love. I say yes to you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.